Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Me and the Scouse guy, and we'd be like, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello Goats fans, near, far or wherever you are. I'm your host, Michael. Other names are acceptable, I have a few. Welcome to this week's episode, episode 9. As always, before we get stuck into it this time, it's time for some chat and drivel with the boys. Seb, Vinny, how are you two? Yeah, I'm doing alright actually. Um, first thing we need to mention, we've got our first patron. So he gets a shout out day one. We, I think if we start to get a lot, we might do them at the end. But mm. when we've just got the one, we'll just say, thanks, Chris. Or I think it's like Mook Orc or something like that. I'm not very good at reading. But thanks, Chris, my housemate, who pledged a tenor. He's the reason that we're now using Zencaster Pro to record this so you can see our faces. Like that's had a direct impact. So You lucky, up, lucky people. But yeah, um, what's happened to me... In real life, I got pulled over by the fuzz. Feds, what do they want? Yeah, I was I was riding along on my mo- on my motorbike. I'm a I'm a motorbike guy. If you didn't know that, I'm pretty cool. I'm a biker. Forget the L plates. Don't worry about the L plates. <laughs> don't, don't look at them. I ride through central London to get to work. There's a lot of traffic in central London, um, and there's a couple of spots where you kind of do some stuff that's like it's not illegal, but it's like a grey area, you know. And one of those is there's some road work going under a bridge, and it's super packed. It's just coming up to where Madame Two Swords is in London. It's really, really packed. I don't remember the name of the area exactly, but it goes under a bridge, and on the right, on the left. As you go under the bridge, there's this like totally unused lane which has like bollards that separate mm. it from the other lane, and there's and there's traffic cones stopping you from going into it. But what everyone on motorbikes does is just swerve around the traffic cones and go up this empty lane. Now, what I thought it was was a bus lane, and to be fair, you can ride in almost every bus lane in London. So yeah. I thought, oh, you know, it's not open yet. But like it is a bus lane, so I'm allowed to be here in theory. Like maybe there's a cone, but whatever. Like so, I swerve in, and in my mirror, because obviously when you're on a bike, you're always checking, and I just see this like police bike swerving behind me. There was a flash where I thought, oh, maybe maybe that means I am allowed to be here because he's doing it too. And then I realised that was stupid, and I heard the blue lights go, and I was like, "Fuck's sake!" So he pulls alongside me, flips up his helmet. He's got the black goggles down, flips up his helmet. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "Follow me." He then pulls in front of another guy, pulls us over, 
get off your bike, keys out your bike, helmet on the floor. It's getting quite serious. I was like, oh, shit. He then proceeded to kick the shit out of you. Yeah, he kicked the shit out. No, what he then proceeded to do, he then pulled out his laptop, which wouldn't turn on. Um, and I think what out he was where? trying to do... Just out of, like, his out of his, one of his panniers. He pulled his laptop and his hat. He pulled his policeman's hat out, which was weird. He took his helmet off, put his policeman's hat out, pulls out a laptop, which just won't turn on. And so he's talking to us, being like, do you understand what violations you've just done, sir? And then he's trying to turn on his laptop and it just won't turn on. And I started to feel a bit embarrassed for the guy because you could see him getting a bit flustered and he's like yeah. clicking it and clicking it and clicking it and it won't turn on. And then he like... He basically gives us his big chat. He's like, do you know you were riding in a bike lane? And then he was like, last time I checked, you're not on a bike. And then it was quiet. And he went, I mean, a bicycle. I was like, we were like, oh. <laughs> Before you came in with a quick little witty, actually, this one's got two wells as well, you know? Yeah, I know. Exactly. Well, I didn't have time for that. And then he was like, blah, 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 you're in a bike lane. You know, if this is three to six points on your license, all this shit. I was like, oh, fucking hell. All right, mate. And it's going on and on. And I thought, I was like, oh, fuck's sake, I'm getting points, which I think would then mean my CBT is void and all this shit. I was like, oh, God. But his laptop won't turn on. And so he can't give us the fine. And I'm like, yes. come on, boys. And then he goes, can I see all your licenses? Now, here's the thing. I don't know if this is illegal, but no one's fucking listening to this, so who cares? My license still has my old Devon address on it because I've never bothered to update it because why would I? So I give him my license, which says Devon on it, and he looks at it and he goes, you're not from around here, are you? And I just played up. I was like, no, I don't understand how it all works around there. It's well confusing <laughs> with all these big cities and all the honking and the hooting. And he's looking at me like, oh, yeah, it is confusing. Isn't it? And I'm like, we don't even have bike lanes down in Devon. <laughs> and he fucking let me up. Oh dear! That's amazing. Yeah, that's so good. Fucking hell! Tell you what, they need to educate these Met police officers a bit better, don't they? Jesus, I know. But yeah, and he just was like, "Oh, all right, then you go." Like, because the trouble was, is there was more dickheads trying to do what I'd done, so it was just more people getting it, and he was just pulling over more people. And I think he just looked at me and was like, "Asked for the paperwork." Yeah, he was just like, "Oh, fuck off!" And he was like, "Don't let me catch you again." And I was like, "Well, you'll never see me again because I'm not from around here." And I fucking (laughs) rode off. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Oh dear. Other than that, I went to a festival that was pretty good called Shindig. Saw some good shit. The best guy I saw was this guy, this DJ called JF, JFB, and he's the world, he's the DMC scratch world champion. So he does all that, like, and he just does the most magic. He's doing it behind his back. He's, like, doing the slider behind his back. He's, like, not looking, scratching with his elbows and shit. And his transitions were off the chain like what really sold it to me was he was good like when he was performing he's doing his whole set right but then there was another bit where he they they just needed someone to fill in so him and all his mates just go to this like smaller stage and they're just fucking about and one of his mates is chatting to him and like kind of fucks up what he's doing and without like just on reflexes this guy jfb just like he's still talking to his mate and he just does this like sick scratch transition and like it's not showing off it's not part of the performance it's just like innate to him he just goes like and just like 
click and he just like flicks the thing and it goes and like and he's just still talking like it's nothing like it literally was not a deal for him it was so sick he was insane yeah we'll put like a link in the bio or something for his youtube it's insane like so cool so so cool and he doesn't wear headphones either so he doesn't queue up using headphones. He just does it like innately, knowing like what the BPM and the next track is and shit. It was it was fucking crazy. It sounds a lot better than my uh, Saturday night. I'll tell you. I'll tell you that for, for free. Yeah, we're not talking about that. No, no, go on. What happened? What happened? No, we just we went out, didn't we? Watch a football and that. So. Oh yeah. You- that was sad. To be fair, I was yeah. in. I was watching De La Soul, which is again sick. I was watching De La Soul, and me and this Scouse guy, he just had it on his phone, and we'd be like, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And we were just watching it on like BT Sport on his phone. Um, but yeah, I tried not to let it. Tried to not let it kill the mood too much. But yeah, it was yeah. a bit of a bummer. We we had a pretty good night up until sort of like about ten o'clock, didn't we, mate? Until like half ten kick off. Yeah. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, that, was, that was unfortunate, wasn't it? Especially after the game. wasn't great then. What happened after the game? Oh, yeah. Captain Chunder Dragon over here. Who, who chundered? Who guess? Was it you? Michael, no. What happened no, to me. you? No, not me. No, not me. Yeah, oh, yeah. right. Vinny, what happened to you? Right, I blame Hannah's driving. Right, and also necking that she listens in the to last this. Like, 10 minutes. Hannah starts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you're blaming a listener a potential patron shout outs to our uh, fans <laughs> Anna does fucking you over so hang on did you get sick <laughs> on the way there or the way home no this the, is like uh, this was like right at the end of the night yeah. oh you were at the pub and then you yeah, drove yeah, back yeah. to Michael's and then you were sick and then I was sick yeah but yeah, my my throat was like oh, like no. sandpaper on Sunday yeah, I was driving so much <laughs> that is rank <laughs> That's so bad. Yeah, it, was, it was really bad. <laughs> it was grim, man. It was honestly, it was disgusting. I still got some of my shoes I need to clean off. Oh, Vinny. Oh, brand new shoes as well. Brand new shoes. Oh, can we see? Get on, get no, on. I don't want to see. Oh, mate. Yeah, that's so funny. But on that, great weekend down in Devon. I built a table with Michael. That was great fun. First yep. ever thing I ever built. Nice. Showing the ropes. Yep. It's exciting. Michael, you've got a bit of a a week because then you're coming up here to London to help me build bike bike shit. I know, what can I say? Practical uh, man. He's good with his hands, according to... Fucking Andy, man. Yeah, pretty good with my hands. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, should we get into this week's episode, boys? Yeah, I don't see why not. (laughs) Let's do it. So, around the world, especially in England, we love an underdog. And we especially love a good comeback. Whether you're 3-0 down at halftime in Istanbul, rise from the dead on Easter Sunday, looking at you, Jesus, or you're the hologram of Tupac. If you can come back from the brink, you will forever be a hero in the eyes of the world. And if you try to come back and end up failing, well, that's pretty entertaining and funny as well. So good effort. But now I want to pass over to you two degenerate to wow me with stories of impressive downfalls and enormous comebacks. So who wants to go first? I'll do it if you want. Go for it, mate. why not. We're in, aren't we? So, yeah. Like you said, it's a big one because I feel like as a nation, we love a comeback. And yeah. it, it's big. Like, we, we, we really lord. It's almost we like people who've come back more than we like people who've stayed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, even if to come back... Because usually to come back, you have to fall. 
Yeah. And you, you might have fallen because you're like awful or horrible, not in all circumstances, but you might have. But that can all yeah, be yeah. forgotten. All your wrongdoings can be forgotten. Instantly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, on that note, you know, the, the, my first thoughts were like Tyson Fury. Like, what a, what a comeback. Unbelievable legend. comeback. Like, absolute legend. But previous to his downfall, said a load of really bad shit, got bumped off Sports Personality of the Year, all that stuff. We've all forgiven yeah. him. It's fine. It's He's fine. just depressed. Don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah, it's fine, yeah. It's all good. It's, it's no biggie. But no, I mean, amazing. Like, genuinely, I, I will never forget watching him get that clip go down and I thought there's no way he's coming back up not just in terms of his comeback from being a fat coke addict to being back in the boxing ring but like the actual come he did two comebacks because then he came no way back, he's getting the- back off of the floor from that, off of the floor from that wilder, wilder fight and then he came back yeah. and I was like maybe God is real because that was fucking insane <laughs> yeah like that's the closest <laughs> I've ever got to seeing a miracle like he should have been dead <laughs> and something in his brain was like nope Jesus wants you to stand back up and he'd fucking indoctrinated himself enough that he did it he did yeah there are so many celebrities who've made, and the trouble is a lot of them have made like quote unquote comebacks, like celebrities who've done something really bad and then they kind of just get forgiven. And that's difficult because it's like, is that a comeback? Like Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Rob Lowe. Do you know Rob Lowe? Oh, I know Charles the name. Lowe. If you Google him, he was in Austin Powers and he was in Parks and Rec. Yeah. What did he do? So this was in like 1988. He was filmed when he was 24 having sex with two young women, one of which was 22 and the other of which was 16. Um, oh, that's child porn. Child porn alert. Wrongen, wrongen. It's difficult because like his career took a bit of a tumble, but he did make child porn. And then it's kind of just fine now and he just makes jokes about it. And it kind of is fine because the age of consent in Georgia, which was the state he was in, was 14 at the time. But, like, it's still child porn. Yeah. So, like, suboptimal. Still a bit bad, isn't it? He looks like paedophile in this picture here. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Oh, yeah. 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 Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) I know, right? How did you find that? That's like the first picture that came Listeners up. Listeners at home, you obviously, you, you can't see what we're looking at here, but we're literally just looking at a picture of a pedo. So, you know, that's all you need to know. And then obviously another big one's like Neil Patrick Harris. Like he didn't do anything wrong. He just like, he was Doogie Howser, which is a big American TV show about a kid who's like a, uh, a doctor. And then he was kind of nobody. He's like career kind of flatlined. And then he was in that film, Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle. And that was like how his career came back, which is kind of mental. Really? Was he in that wow. before How I Met Your Mother then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how he got the gig. Yeah. Is like, it? Oh, people right. had totally forgotten about him. And then he did that and it was like, oh shit. Do you think that's that must be why they picked him? They were like, oh, let's get someone like weirdly obscure who like no one's really yeah. going to know and that'll be funny. Exactly. That was kind of the vibe. And then I was going to go for, this was the one that was in my head for a long time, is a sporting comeback. And I was going to go for Tiger Woods. And I was pretty set on it because like his, he was like world number one, but, like successive back-to-back world championships, whatever the fuck they're called. I don't know, it's golf. And then, <laughs> I don't yeah. fucking know. But this is I, don't, I don't know golf either. Hit a ball with a stick and hole. <laughs> 
the trouble is this is part of the reason I didn't pick him is like I looked at him he struggled with addiction for like a decade he his ranked was like he was like below some people who were semi-pro like he was fucking terrible did he beat up his wife no he didn't he slept with a sex worker he didn't he didn't oh. actually abuse anyone he just was like basically maybe I'm thinking of a flash game you what <laughs> I'm um, sure there's like <laughs> I'm sure there was like a flash game where you're like Tiger Woods and like your wife Tiger Woods' wife is like on the on the tee and you're just like whacking her with a with a golf bat. Right. Do you not I mean do I not... don't know. I don't think he did that. I could be wrong. But basically he was like he's he's had back problems like his whole life and he just got addicted to like prescription pain meds for his back and it all just like because in America they'll just give you like crazy shit like opioids and stuff oh, like that. Oh yeah yeah Oxycontin yeah. content and with mental shit like that. So he got like addicted to that and then he came back and he got his first masters in a decade. It was amazing. And then I started looking into it and it's like fucking hell golf's really boring. I was like, Jesus Christ, we can't do it's fucking an hour on this. It's an accountant sport for a reason. Yeah, golf's like, only oh. exciting when you're when you're knocking the ball for a windmill and uh, it's in like the shape of a clown, isn't it? Then it's exactly, fun. and you get yeah, and you get a free game if you get the hole in one in the last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine if they did that for real for real golf. You got a hole in one, you got to just <laughs> do the to whole course again. again, and they just added it to your score. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. that'd be sick. I don't think you'd want it added to your score. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's not how golf works. You need like the lowest possible. <laughs> but then, so I started looking at like the usual suspects for lists of things. Like we've all, I, this might not happen in any other world, but specifically our show, I spend more time looking at like Watch Mojo's lists and Buzzfeed oh. lists of like the most this or the biggest that. And so I was looking through like the biggest celebrity comebacks and just one name just kept coming back over and over and over again. And I kept ignoring it. I kept being like, that's too basic. That's too basic. I don't want to do that. And then I had a look into it and I was like, all right, to be fair, this probably is the greatest comeback of all time. And the name that kept coming back over and over again was Jesus. So Jesus of Nazareth was born in Bethlehem in around 4 BC. Oh, for fuck's sake, Sam. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. It's not Jesus. It's Robert Downey Jr. Uh, okay. oh, he's okay. got us. Oh, my God. Thank I was God. literally just going to go on the fattest rant ever. How, like, you know, we've been avoiding Jesus for so long. Every episode, we tease it. Carpenter, all this stuff. Wizard. <laughs> And then I was going to be like, we don't do fictional shit on this. It's all real life and all that. You can't pick Jesus. He's made up. And I had this, literally, within a second, a huge tirade just popped into my head. So whew, you saved yourself. I'm, ve- I'm, I'm buzzing that you, you didn't actually pick Jesus. <laughs> I didn't pick Jesus because, like you said, he may never have existed. And even if he did, he just led to a bunch of mega nonsense. So isn't there like more <laughs> evidence that Jesus existed than uh, Julius Caesar? Is that true? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, fucking... I guess neither of them exist. I think the problem with Jesus is the whole son of God thing in it, really. Yeah, that's the bit. Let's not, not, like, get into debunking religion. I think we need to stay on track. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be here for a while. Back to funny celebrities that do crack. It's fine, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, obviously, the name that kept coming back is the one and only Robert Downey Jr., a.k.a. RDJ, a.k.a. Iron Man fucking the big guy so rdj man kind of is so 
it's the it's the name that always comes back when you talk about comebacks and i just kind of kept ignoring it because i was like it's too mainstream but it's mental it's bonkers and i thought i'd do things a bit differently just because it's so mental and it's so kind of well known but maybe not well known for the reasons that you know i I don't really know it to be honest the specifics i sort of know it vaguely i only knew of robbie downey jr for the first time in i'm pretty sure iron man or maybe tropic thunder yeah i think so i only knew him after the comeback so i never knew there was actually a down period for him to be honest this is the thing so what i'm gonna do is weird i'm gonna give you my conclusion before i give you my reasoning so my conclusion is this a a lot of people have no idea that robert downey jr is on a comeback like he's like one of the biggest film stars in the world right now and the comeback is mental because he's one of the biggest film stars in the world right now. And he was one of the biggest film stars in the world before his comeback. And then he had this huge down period. It's just mental. And the other reason is his down period is just insane. It's, it's bonkers. Anyway, let me explain. So what I'm trying to get at is for most of you out listening, for people of our generation, I think, most of us don't realise that Robert Downey Jr. was maybe not as famous as he is now, but as famous as he was in maybe 2012. He was that famous in the 90s. And then there was a whole slump. And like, so many people don't know that. Anyway, so RDJ, I'm going to keep saying RDJ because Robert Downey Jr. is a mouthful. RDJ was born on the 4th of April, 1965. His dad, Robert Downey Sr., was an actor and a filmmaker. His mum, Elsie Ann, also acted and starred in many of Downey Sr.'s films. His upbringing was wealthy, and in some ways he had a lot going for him, but in a lot of other ways it was pretty shit. The only real bond he had with his father was the reuse of recreational drugs, and Robert Downey Jr. smoked marijuana for the first time with his dad, age six. Fucking hell. Jesus Christ. eh? I know. Wow. To be fair, his dad did go on to say he regretted it, but that's almost worse. (laughs) I should fucking hope so. Yeah, right. Which is kind of of worse because it's like his dad's fully confirming it happened, which I feel like a bit of you wants to believe that maybe he's exaggerating, but his dad's like, no, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) Yeah, I think coming out and just going, whoops, makes it worse. That, that's a banana peel he just slipped on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then so he kind of starts doing like various child acting roles through his connection with his dad. And then he sort of devolves into alcoholism really, really young. Like he's smoking weed and drinking loads in his like pre-teens. By the time he's 11, he's an alcoholic. Like it's really bad. Jeez Louise. He then drops out of high school to pursue acting full time because he's basically had this like he's like had a head start because of his dad like his life's shit but he's also got this huge head start into acting so he kind of just falls into it because he's going to get paid loads and he's got this like way in so why would he not do it but yeah so he starts doing that he went spent his first three years in Hollywood this is a weird one he actually spent the first three years of his Hollywood career living with Kiefer Sutherland from 24 yep plays Jack Bauer in Kiefer 24. Sullivan Kiefer Sullivan, that's the one. He just, they were roommates for like the first three years. Had a good old time. So. I think RDJ was doing a lot of crack. But apart from that, it's all good. <laughs> you know, like any actor, his first few films weren't great. What's mad, like, yet again, this whole thing happened before I even knew that Robert Downey Jr. had a career. Like, this is before most of us were even born. People listening to this. 
in like the mid to early mid 80s SNL Saturday Night Live which is a big American like comedy show live comedy show they were kind of like struggling for numbers and a lot of people felt that the cast was too old it was a lot of like old style comedy that maybe the younger generation weren't getting into so they hired all these like super young breakthrough actors one of them was RDJ it didn't go very well they were all fired after one year um, and oh, a lot of critics considered him to be the worst of the worst. But he carried on going and he got his acting breakthrough when he played a side character in the 1985 film Tough Turf. It's a weird, very 80s, like coming of age film about like a nerdy, intelligent, nerdy kid who goes to a new city, falls in love with this like rough, tough girl and has to kind of fight some members of a street gang to win her back. Mm, some shit. Yeah, he does some shit. <laughs> He got his, like, huge breakthrough when he played this... It's, it's so sad, really. He plays this addict who's, like, a posh boy. So it's, like, a posh boy addict in this film called Less Than Zero, where he, yet again, has the whole world going for him and he just sort of wastes it all away. But at that point, it wasn't like someone looked at him and was like, oh, he can play that because it's in his heart. It was just a coincidence. Right, yeah, it's foreshadowing. Just like, yeah, mm. it's like un the universe foreshadowing, exactly. So he plays this role in Less Than Zero. It's like massive. He's the lead character. He does really, really well. It like catapults his career. He then starred in some like kind of meh, cash grabby hollywood films he did air america alongside mel gibson um soap dish alongside Whoopi goldberg and then he has this like massive breakthrough moment and this is like the pinnacle of his career before we knew he had a career which is that in 1992 he plays charlie chaplin in the biopic chaplin the only way I can describe it is like Charlie Chaplin was to Robert Downey Jr. what the Joker was to Heath Ledger. Like that's the level of people went mental. Like he did the full like got into the headspace. He spends like months and months and months doing like really intense prep work learns like all of his little mannerisms he did crazy shit like learn how to play tennis left-handed because that's how charlie chaplin did it like he's like gets mega into it and he looks really similar to charlie chaplin i think i've seen these pictures actually yeah yeah it's really uncanny and like it got him an oscar nomination it was fucking huge he only lost out to al pacino who did scent of a woman and it's like mental like everyone thinks he's this like prolific genius actor the film's considered to be like deeply moving his performance is like stunning blood by blue it's no joke like he's massive he does like the performance of the decade and everyone's like oh my god it's really big wow and then in 1996 four years later it all starts to crumble away from him his early addiction to drug abuse sort of started to catch up with him and he was arrested in 1996 and this is the most hollywood crime i've ever heard in my life he was arrested for speeding down sunset boulevard while in possession of cocaine heroin and an unloaded 357 magnum revolver <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty gangster that man had some work to do that night. I know. Like, he was on something. He was on a mission. That's like GTA. That's like proper <laughs> Grand Theft Auto vibes. Did he also shoot down a few hookers? Do you know like how everyone always has those quotes from Paul Walker where it's like, if I died driving fast, be happy because I was smiling. 
for me, it's like if I die going down Sunset Boulevard with a 357 <laughs> and some coke and heroin, know that I was happy. <laughs> like, I died living my dream, man. I'd made it. At least that's something, yeah, to take home from that. <laughs> so he gets arrested. He gets let out on parole. He then gets found in his neighbor's bed off his tits. And he's like, so the police get called because he's like snuck into his neighbor's house and fallen asleep in their bedroom, like <laughs> off his balls on coke and heroin. It's really mental. So then he's given three years probation and like mandatory drug tests. He immediately misses his first mandatory drug test or like one of the first ones. First hurdle. Yeah, exactly. Because what, what, it's such a shit thing to do because it's like, if you, you coke-addicted, heroin-addicted maniac, can make this drug test, you won't go to jail. And it's like, well, obviously. Obviously you won't, They're not going to yeah. do it. Like, so basically, it's a sentence before he's even been sentenced, and then he's given six months in Los Angeles County Jail. Like, they knew that before they'd even given him the first sentence. Like, it's obvious. Yeah. So... He then is let back out, and it just, this cycle just continues. He's let out in 1999. He then misses another drug test. He then is arrested again, is put in jail again. He gets Robert Shapiro. Now, if that name might ring some bells for you guys. Ben Shapiro's dad? Not Ben Shapiro's dad. Do you remember episode two? Vinny, he's the lawyer who got OJ off. Oh! Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I thought, yeah, I, I only know Kardashian. Yeah, he must have been the guy whose name you couldn't remember. Yeah, I think it must have been. So yeah, Robert Shapiro is there. He gets the whole law team, the whole team that got OJ off. He gets the gang back together. And uh, it didn't work. <laughs> it oh. doesn't work. Oh, fuck. <laughs> he gets handed a three-year sentence. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> He thought he got, like, the gold team. Yeah, yeah. Imagine hiring, literally, like, the SEAL Team 6 of lawyers. These guys got fucking OJ off, really? OJ? He definitely did it. Yeah, right, man. They got fucking OJ off. Oh, have these fellas. Shit. Three years in jail. It's not funny, but, like, he must have gone into that courtroom being like, it's just drugs, man. It's fine. I got a bit yeah. coked up and slept in my neighbor's bed. How bad can it be? And, then, and he's like, I got these guys. They got fucking OJ off. <laughs> and he gets three years. He must have been like... <laughs> anyway, it's not funny, but it's a bit funny. So then he gets put down for three years. But what's super weird is the judge, a judge then rules that he can be let out after one year. It's super unexpected. And it's basically because of all the previous time he'd spent in prison after breaking parole, which doesn't seem to make any sense to me whatsoever. I think it's A-list celebrity uh, privilege. Yeah. There. That's like the bonuses yeah. you get with being like a big time celebrity in Hollywood. That, that was that was fucking the OJ, the OJ guys were like, well, we'll get him something. They're like, fuck, we really bummed that one up. The OJ guys probably cracked him out of cracked him out of prison but um at this point things are like just fucked he gets hired to join the cast of an american law comedy called ali mcbeal i don't know if you've heard of it is that it seems to be quite a big deal in america but it sounds shit ali mcbeal ali mcbeal i don't know if you ever mcbeal what a shit name it's dreadful. The whole thing sounds really bad. But basically, he comes back... My name's Ali McBeal. <laughs> and a bit like how someone... They might hire Charlie Sheen to get some ratings. The ratings do really, really well. Like, it spikes. Like, Ali McBeal's been a bit on the fucking... You know, it's been on a bit of a low. <laughs> RDJ joins. 
it spikes, but his personal life is just still a complete mess. He's still addicted to loads of shit, and then he gets arrested again while he's on Ally McBeal because someone anonymous, someone narks on him, anonymously phones 911. The police search his hotel room, and they, they find a bunch of coke and Valium, and that will do it. If you're on drugs charges and you're on probation and you're on parole, sorry, and then they find coke and Valium in your room, probably going to get put down again. Don't grass on people. Yeah, don't not, well... Don't be a grass. Probably just send him to, like, rehab. Maybe don't grass. I don't know. Just just be like, oh, look, mate. Look, come on, you know. Don't (laughs) grass him up. Come on. Imagine if you'd been there. This never would have happened. Imagine all the celebrities you could have saved. You there, Kurt Cobain's got the shotgun in his mouth. You're like, come on, man. Just think. You've got a whole world going for you. It's fine. Coolly enough, not that bad. Everyone just needs this little, like, talk to you, don't they? Need a little vent. Just be like, listen, nah, it'll be fine. <laughs> and this is our first ad for better help therapy. Do you need someone to talk to? No, I'm joking. Bernie <laughs> 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 Kurt Cobain has had better help. No, right, moving on. So, yeah, they find the drugs in his hotel room. Again, he's somehow let out on parole. How? And then while he's... Yeah, he's rich. He's out on parole, and the guys making Ali McBeal allow him to sign a contract for eight more episodes, even though he's out on parole for drugs charges. When he's on parole and working on Ali McBeal, he gets found wandering barefoot the streets of Culver City, California, off his tits on cocaine. Like, he's just walking (laughs) the streets. You're like... Is that Ali J? <laughs> is, that, is that Ali McBeal? Is that the guy from Ali McBeal? <laughs> That's the new love interest on Ali McBeal, isn't it? On AMC, Wednesday nights at 9pm. <laughs> We're getting really good at these plugs, by the way. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And then it's fucking over, over. Like, Ali McBeal, fire him. They retake all his, like, bits. They do, like, massive reshoots to just come out the show. He loses a load of other roles that he's been set to play, and some of them are quite big. Like, he was almost set to make a career part comeback, but he, like, wasn't ready yet. Like, he was supposed to be in some big films. Like, I looked at the list, and some of them were films that, like, Obviously, it's getting into, like, our kind of generation now. And I was like, oh, shit, I've watched that. RDJ was meant to play that. And it's like, it's over. He pleads no contest to the drugs charges. He's sent to rehab, and he's given three years probation. And it's like, his career's done. Like, everyone's like, he's over. And then it's kind of confusing because he says he felt like he was given, like, a hand to help him. Like, people offered him a hand so many times, and he just never took it. And then he just decides that, like, actually, he's done. He doesn't want to go back to prison. He doesn't want to, like, lose his son. He doesn't want to, like, have his life fall apart. And he just decides to take rehab really seriously. And he, after five years of nonstop drug abuse-related rests, rehab, relapse, just over and over again, he did it. He took rehab really, really seriously. He worked really, really hard. And after a year out, he comes back completely sober, like completely sober. And from there, he basically had to do his whole career again. So he gets his first gig is an Elton John music video for the track I Want Love, which is actually quite good. I watched it today. It's a a pretty good music video. It's quite sad. It's a guy talking about how he can't really be loved because he's too fucked up. And you're looking at RDJ thinking, I feel like this might be hitting a note for you. And then Big Mel Gibson, who um, I think at this point hadn't been super racist. I think this was pre-anti-Semitic rant. He then pays the insurance money. So you have to pay like an insurance deposit because no one will act with him. Because like basically there's a good chance that if he signs onto a film, he'll bail and then they'll lose all the money. So he pays the insurance money because obviously they were together in that film Air America that was a bit shit. And he acts in this film called The Singing Detective, which is a musical crime comedy. It's really funny and... The rest is history. I don't really want to go through the second part of um, Robert Downey Jr.'s career because we were all fucking there. He did Iron Man. He plays Iron Man, which is a performance of kind of somewhat reflective of his own struggles. He's this like playboy billionaire who can't get anything right. He has to come back in Iron Man, doesn't he? I mean, he gets locked in the cave. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bit... He's locked in the cave. He has this formative experience. I'm an, I'm a playboy asshole, blah, blah, blue. And bam, it kickstarts the cinematic universe. And he is on his way back to becoming one of the most famous and most highly paid actors on the planet. He also did Tropic Thunder, which I personally think is one of the best films ever made. Fantastic. Agreed. And in that, he plays a stuck-up actor that's so stuck-up that he thinks he can do a better job of playing an African-American person than an African-American person, which is so, so funny. It is funny. It's well worth a watch. And as we talked about in an episode, it's not bad because... He's not doing blackface. He's playing a guy doing blackface. The joke's on the character doing the blackface. The joke's on the character doing the blackface. It's about how pretentious actors are that they would think that they can do a better job of being black than someone who's actually black. That's the joke. Fucking great film. And yeah, that's kind of the end of it for me. He went from hero to zero and then back to hero again. And if that's not the greatest... With the help of McBeal. 
we're all with the help of Ali McBeal. Can you imagine? Sorry, I've only just seen the irony of the fact that he hires OJ's legal team. They completely fuck him, and then he has to be on the law comedy Ali McBeal. It seems like a lot of his uh, movie and TV choices have uh, reflected his life in one way or another. Maybe it's like a subliminal thing. But yeah, that's why I think the greatest comeback of all time is RDJ. Like I said, I did my conclusion at the start, but I'll reiterate it. He had a whole fucking career we didn't know about. He's one of the biggest actors on the planet. He's nominated for an Oscar. Then it fucking free falls. And then it comes back. That's the greatest comeback of all time. Totally agree before I've heard Vinny's because, yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. I mean, like, I totally agree. <laughs> we, but... we, so I'm shocked now. I don't care what Vinny has to say. <laughs> Unless there's a better one. There might be a better one. But in the sense that, you know, I, I, who's the biggest actor on the planet now? Well, it's probably Robert Downey Jr. That's the funny thing. Well, maybe not anymore. It will probably, I'd say 2015, he was the biggest actor on the planet. He was. He was the yeah, highest yeah, paid true, actor yeah. on the planet from 2013 to 2015. Maybe The Rock? Really? Dwayne Rock Johnson? Oh, yeah, I, I can't stand The Rock. He's a twat, but he's in every... Do you know... At... But let's say The Rock. Let, let's say if The Rock fell down to the lowest point possible, was in prison multiple times, and then, like, a decade later just was the biggest actor in the world again. That's, that's like, a way to represent Robert Downey Jr.'s. Yeah, yeah. Do you know who it's probably more like, actually? Tom Holland. Like, he's, like, a good-looking good young guy... Who plays coming. all these like heart heartthrob parts, up and coming. Imagine Tom Holland did like a critically acclaimed biopic. It like he's the biggest deal in Hollywood. Yeah. And then he fucks it. And then in 20 years time, our kids are going, did you know Tom Holland had a whole career before he did fucking his whole career? Like it's yeah, like Tom yeah. Holland coming back in his 40s and being the biggest fucking deal. Yeah. And Iron Man is good, isn't it? Iron Man 1 is good. That's like before it got bad, the MCU, isn't it? That's like... I, yeah, I, I, I remember really liking Iron Man as a kid. I watched it a lot. It was like probably the, my most watched Marvel film. I think... I, I See, I like all Marvel films. I like... Well, no, I don't like all Marvel Ooh. films. I like a lot Ooh. of Marvel films. I'm a big Marvel fan. But I have to say, for me, Iron Man is my favourite. Because it's just like... It's got no tie-ins. It's the OG. It was like... It's not supposed to be anything. It's just like fucking sick. And do you know, he put on like a massive amount of muscle for that film because he wanted to feel like he could... And I can't remember the exact quote, but I think it's bend metal. He wants to feel like he can right. work with metal. So he gets like super hench. Good method actor, though. I didn't realise he was such a good method actor, to be fair. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the word. He was a method actor and that's why he was really good in Chaplin as well. Yeah, Charlie, yeah, yeah, Chaplin, yeah. Chaplin, it's with Chaplin, yeah, because RGJ, like, it's always hinted at. Like, before you just broke that down, I didn't know any of that. But it's always, like, people are always like, oh, Robert Downey Jr., like, whoa, like, a bit tetchy on the subject, like, how successful he is. They're all, there's, like, always hints to this dark past, but I've never really thought much about it. Like, I've always just been like, all right, yeah, obviously some shit went down, but didn't really understand that it was, like, that high to that low, do you know what I mean? And, like, that public. I love that comeback, actually, because, like, it's clear that, like, Hollywood... Like, the reason why it's always just, like, a little bit hinted at his dark past and not fully explored is it's almost like Hollywood wants to forget about it because of he's obviously such a good person now. 
Yeah, and also he wasn't like a bad person then. That's the other thing. It's like I think the other reason they really want to forget about it is because like it becomes increasingly clear the more you read about it that he was just quite let down. Yeah, he was just very ill, and like he didn't necessarily hurt anyone else and things like that. Like no, like he never, he didn't, he he wasn't like a Charlie Sheen. He didn't like abuse anyone. Yeah, or do exactly. Anything yeah. Like that. He was just a mess. Like he was just a real mess. And his dad let him smoke weed when he was sick. Yeah, so everyone's fully rooting for him, and that makes all the difference in a comeback. Back. you've got to have the people behind you yeah exactly love it talking about comebacks though doing these little live records with our webcams what i really wish would make a comeback is uh my fucking hairline <laughs> 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 look how bad it is <laughs> look at it jesus the light is oh, really not Lord. very flattering but Vinny, it's over to you bring us back into this podcast with your epic tale yeah, so I had a lot of trouble with this one because I think like goat comeback, you could do a comeback in so many different things, like so many different categories. My mind immediately just went to sporting comeback. But other than, you know, the, the miracle of Istanbul, Liverpool 2005 Champions League final and That's a good Leicester City winning the Premier League in like 2015-16 season, I think. I, I, I was, I don't know, I just, I thought that was too boring. I thought that was too easy. So I had a little dig deep. I had a little thought. Like I, I, I put it off for quite some time and then it, it suddenly it suddenly hit me what the best comeback was uh michael you're gonna like this one i think i don't know about you so i don't know how much you know about this one. <laughs> oh for fuck's sake oh, i'm braced no. here we go Sam. You, oh, no. you know this is gonna be something mental prepare to be whelmed if this is your expectation <laughs> so Nasia Jones was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1973. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Michael C's on the set. He knows what's up. Oh? Nasia Jones. His dad was a jazz and a blues musician that specialized in playing the horns. And although his father wasn't around much because he was always on the road performing, young Nasir, he looked up to his father. So he started getting into hip hop music in the 1980s and would read the dictionary back to front just so he could expand his vocabulary for his rapping. This kid was destined for greatness, and he started calling himself Nasty Naz, or Nas for short, in his teenage years. And when he was 16, he hooked up with a legendary producer, a large professor. He got his first big break in 1991, where he performed on a song by Main Source called Live at the Barbecue. Now this, ladies and gentlemen, this is where history, hip-hop history, was made. Naz's verse on that song is genuinely still regarded as one of the best verses in rap history and is is also one of the most sampled verses in hip hop to this very day. Like it's insane. Like it's it's a crazy verse, especially like considering for the time like it came out in. This quite literally catapulted the young rapper into the limelight, and he was given a record deal by Columbia Records the following year. Well, that same year, he made his solo debut with the song Halftime, which, as we all know, is a certified hood classic and beloved by 90s hip-hop fans. A motherfucking banger. It's an absolute belter. Fantastic song. I really, really like it. Then, in 1994, his debut album, Illmatic, shocked oh. the very foundations of the hip-hop community. Oh. So, you, you know Illmatic, right? Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. Is it the greatest hip-hop album of all time? Well, we'll have to do that episode, but when we do that episode, it will be in there, for sure. Like, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's only, like, nine tracks long as well. It's really short. That's all you need. Yeah, it's it's so condensed. It's so, like, there's no filler. Every song could be considered the best song in the album. 100%. It's, in, like, it, that's incredible. 
I used to have it on uh, on CD. I bought it on CD in London on a like school trip. I remember like in year eleven, uh, and I actually I didn't know the album at the time. I only knew like a couple songs from it, and I was like, ah, oh, I want to buy a hip hop album. This looks pretty cool. I've seen this on YouTube a few times. I gave it to the cashier, and the cashier was like, "You've made an excellent choice." And I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm in for a treat." Yes, boy, howdy, I was in for a treat. Like fantastic album. I fucking love CDs, man. It, in, in HMV, you used to be able to get two for one on uh, hip-hop albums, and they had some really good shit in there and some good underground stuff as well. Sorry to get sidetracked. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> I'll cut that. <laughs> no, no, I like it. I like it. Let's keep in. I like that. I agree, Michael. <laughs> Fuck you. No, I do agree. I think that was a really valued contribution. Actually, fuck off. No, I do. I think you need to learn to take a compliment. So your mum's compliment. <laughs> so, any- so anyway, Elmatic was dubbed the first classic LP of 1994 by MTV News, and it was even awarded Best Album of 1994 by Source Magazine. If you don't know, Source Magazine is one of, if not the biggest magazine in rap in the 90s. I don't know what it is like nowadays. If it's like still a thing or if it's just as big, but I'm not really sure. Yeah, it was. It was like the publication. It was like the Rolling Stones magazine. It was the, the Rolling Stone. It, what Rolling Stone is to like rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Source was to hip hop. If you if you got featured in Source, like yeah, you were you you were going somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So like to be called the best like album of that year by the biggest hip hop publication, it's like it's incredible. Especially like because 1994, a lot of great hip hop came out, like all that stuff. And much like how the rapper Rakim revolutionized rap as a genre back in the late 80s Nas was doing the exact same thing half a decade later and was even dubbed the next Rakim by his peers so most consider Illmatic to be the greatest hip-hop of the entire 90s like if you go into like any if you just look up like best hip-hop albums like specifically like 90s hip-hop albums like classic hip-hop even of all time, the vast, vast majority of these on my list will say Illmatic is like pretty much the best, like hands down. Like it's it's very well regarded as like just the gold tier, the standards for like the best thing ever. So yeah, this album just absolutely just launched this man into the absolute stratosphere of like fame and success. So how do you follow up on an instant classic and a genre defining album? What you do if you're Nas is you make an even more commercially successful album. It Was Written was Nas's sophomore album, released in 1996. And although it didn't blow people's heads off quite as much as the first album, it made Nas a household name outside of the rap community. Songs like If I Rule the World featuring Lauren Hill still get radio play to this very day. Oh my god, what a tune as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the song I Gave You Power tells a deeply creative and interesting tragic story from the perspective of a gun. Very cool, very cool hip-hop song if you haven't heard it. Although It Was Written had become massively successful in the mainstream, that unfortunately had its downsides. And when Nas started work on his third studio album, I Am, he was receiving a lot of criticism that his new material was actually catering too much to the mainstream especially as now he was working with like the incredibly popular and famous puff daddy as a producer naz's next two albums were mixed bag to say the least most of the hip-hop community at this point pretty much considered naz to just be another promising rapper who went pop with the death of Notorious B.I.G. in the 1997 and Nas's disappointing career tra- trajectory, the prestigious title of King of New York was up for grabs for the first time in years. This is when an up-and-coming rapper, who was also born in Brooklyn, New York, 
he saw the throne and he decided to see, try and seize it. That Rafa's name was Albert Einstein. <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> I hit my teeth in the Where the fuck did Albert Einstein come from? <laughs> yeah, there's no, memes where it's like Albert Einstein, like, and then it's like it's like a, a boy correcting his teacher, and it, it like it turns out he was right, and that boy yeah, yeah. was Albert Einstein. Like it would just be some oh, like bullshit quote with a picture of like Tupac Shakur, and then under it, as the quote will say, "By Albert Einstein" and stuff like that. It's just always like <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen these. <laughs> no, <laughs> that rapper was Jay-Z. In the summer of 2001, Jay-Z released the iconic diss track, The Takeover, in an effort to cement himself as the new king of New York. It is good, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's fucking incredible. In The Takeover, Jay insulted Nas's flow and the fact that he never quite lived up to his legendary debut album, Illmatic. So, basically, at this point, people just believe this was the end of Nas's career. After being hyped up so much as a young adult and a teenager, he had seemingly been blinded by the fortune of fame within the limelight and had crashed and burned. But, from the ashes of Nas's career, had spawned out a brilliantly fierce phoenix. <laughs> oh, the comeback animal. Naz hit back with a diss track of his own, Ether, which has been dubbed as one of the greatest diss tracks of all time. I'm certifying it now, even though we're not, we're never going to do greatest diss track because well, still, e- Ether, no, e- no, Ether is the greatest diss track of all time. What about No Vaseline? No, that's Ether, a good one as well. Stamp, it's being stamped now. Boom, done. All right, it's up there. Well, we might, we might, we might come back to that. We might do a comeback on that. Wait, but no, no credits. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, what, what's the deal with this ether? Even though Jay Z had hit back with another diss track, "Super Ugly," where he claimed to have sex with Nas's uh, baby's mother, it was clear in most people's eyes that Nas had won the battle and reclaimed his crown. It was even reported that Jay Z, when he first heard Ether, he cried on uh, mm. on the radio, live on a radio station. Is that verified? No, it's probably <laughs> bullshit, <laughs> but it's a funny rumor. It's a pretty popular rumor. No smoke without fire, either. You know. So Nas used his momentum, his newly found momentum, to write his new album, Stillmatic, and with this record, he returned to his older, more grounded style, whilst keeping up to date with more modern hip hop trends. Ether made it onto the album, and the track after Ether, Got Yourself a Gun, is regarded as just another hip-hop classic. Nas remained a fantastic storyteller with the song Rewind, which tells another tragic story based in gang warfare, but completely in reverse. Like, this, this story is literally, like, told in reverse with, like, gun shot me and stuff like that, like... Yeah, yeah, like, the, the bullet went back through his body, like, into my gun, put my gun back in my, you know, it's, like, all this stuff, and, like, people are speaking backwards. It's, like, it's a really, really, like, well-written song, really. it's absolutely insane yeah it is you have to listen to it like three or four times before you fully like can pay attention to really understand that it's it's that good yeah it's ridiculous fantastic song really 
Stillmatic was received very, very well by both critics and the mainstream, and this helped Nas rebound his rap career back into the limelight. His follow-up to Stillmatic was a deeply personal LP called Godson, where he rapped about his mother's battle with cancer and her subsequent death in 2002. It also contained some absolute bangers like I Can and I Made You Look. And in fact, Time Magazine named Godson the best album of 2003, which is, I, I didn't even say best hip hop album, but just straight up best album of 2003, which is pretty insane, I think. It's a good album. Very good. What also was released, I think, the following year after Godson was The Lost Tapes, which is basically his B-sides, a lot of tracks that didn't make it to either Stillmatic or Godson, but a lot of people consider it basically the best B-side like hip-hop album of all time and one of the best just B-side albums of all time, which I frankly had have to, I, I think I'd have to agree. Like Just the amount of creativity that was flowing through this man after the whole Jay-Z and uh, Nas beef was just like insane. Like He really did like rebound so hard from it. And Nas's career has been really good ever since the comeback, with all his subsequent albums being rated highly. And the man still makes good hip-hop to this day. Like, he released an album, like, a year ago, and that was also well-received. And, like, he's still been very consistent, like, to this day. In 2010, however, he collaborated with Bob Marley's son, Damian Marley, with the album Distant Relatives. And its opening track, As We Enter, as you may know, is still a club banger that's enjoyed by millions worldwide. And uh, I think... I may have made my case because I looked up a lot of like best comebacks in rap history because I'd I'd never really heard of like a comeback in hip hop. Most of these people that were like huge for like they they normally released like the, the one big album and then they would just go to shit straight after. I mean, think of like, it's maybe not quite hip hop, but Dizzy Rascal, his first album, Boy in the Corner. I, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. It's fantastic. Like quality, classic, classic grind oh, album. Yeah, yeah. And then he immediately just went from that to like... Pop. Bunkers. To pop, basically like, what's that song about like, get your moves on the dance floor, whatever the fuck it's called. Like, shake oh, your, shit. Like, Holiday, just... Holiday, where it's like, take your... Yeah. Second album's syndrome isn't it second album syndrome big style very cheesy very cheesy like pop stuff i looked up loads of things like cause i i'd never heard of like another rapper other than naz making a big comeback and i looked up loads of lists and of like rappers who made comebacks and basically all of them were like they kind of made like a bad album and then afterwards they made like a, a, a pretty okay album and it was like yeah, I'll come back. Cool. It's like Eminem's like recovery, which I mean, I'm not a massive. I mean, I'm not a massive like later life Eminem fan, but I think recovery is good. Yeah, it's better than relapsed. Yeah, but the problem is, is he hasn't sustained it though, has he? Like the recent ones have been bad, whereas Nas is right. done that. Nas has always. Do you been good. think they are bad? Yes. Yes, they're boring. Because I think they're right. No, they bore me. I don't want to listen to it. <laughs> As simple as that. I just, I, I can't, I just listen to it. I'm like, this is shit. and just turn it off. I think, yeah, he's not made a good album in a while. He's made some good songs. I actually thought that um, Kamikaze, I actually quite liked. I thought that was quite a good album. The album was mixed fucking horribly. Do you think? Yeah, one of the tracks is really quiet. <laughs> it's like really weirdly badly mixed for like Eminem, who's like the most A-list rapper yeah. of all time. Yeah, I noticed that as well. The quality was terrible. Like, the just general sound quality was awful in some of those I, I assume they just rushed it out. I didn't know this, though. And he's still going. He's still making albums. And it's like, bro, just, like, chill. Like, stop it. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just you're not, like, in your 20s anymore. Like, stop it. You know when Eminem was good? You know, the Slim Shady LP, the Marshmallows LP. Do you know who inspired that man? Who? Nas. 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 Jones, yeah. 
That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Nas was like his biggest influence. Just like in Ether, Nas says, name a rapper that I I ain't influenced. And it's true. Like everyone was influenced by Nas. And anyone who got big in the late 90s, early 2000s, if that was the start of their career, Nas was their big influence. 100%. For sure. He was the goat of the time, for sure. And then he straight up murdered Jay-Z. Straight up. Like the Jay Z Nas beef is the biggest in musical history. Like still to this day, that's the one that everybody quotes. I'm on some Jay Z and Nas shit. That's what everybody says. I right. I'm I'm gonna put my arms up right now. I'm gonna put my hands up and say it's a it was a greater and like bigger beef than Biggie vs Tupac. I'm just gonna say it. Biggie vs Tupac was was artificially made just because of the whole East Coast West Coast thing, and they were just yeah, the two I biggest agree. on both coasts. They didn't. I don't think they had that much like beef between each other. Like Biggie, like he like saw Tupac in the hospital when he got shot up. Like during the beef, he was like, you know, they had respect for each other. Jay Z and Nas just do not respect each other. It was huge for both their careers as well. Like it was huge for Jay Z. Like Jay Z oh, yeah. got a big thing out of it as well because he like he put up a good fight with like the Takeover. Oh, the Takeover is a great track. No, the the Takeover yeah. is a great track. It's just Nas was just like fuck that. And just no annihilated him. Yeah, he didn't pull any punches. Ether's like scathing. It makes me feel bad about myself listening to Ether. And it's got, uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And you're that... not even Jay-Z. <laughs> exactly. It is that scathing. It's like insane. Just go listen to Ether. If you want to learn how to write a diss track, do it. It will have people crying live on radio. Allegedly. <laughs> According to my sources. <laughs> Vinny, I did actually love that. I, I genuinely did love that. I'm glad. I, ge- I, I guess we have to conclude it. Uh, fucking hell, this is a really tough one. Wait, I've got some last minute news. Right. Now, I feel like I might be on the ropes here. RDJ, you know, he doesn't necessarily hold a place in Michael's heart. And this is the show where we subjectively pick objective answers. And therefore, that will get to Michael. However, I just want to ask you one question. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, who is Nas's favourite English football team? Nas. I'm I'm guessing you're going to say it's Liverpool. Or, you know, you're going to say it's Manchester United to put me off to think he's a dickhead. And then... No. It's Everton. All right. Everton? Yeah, he's an Everton fan. Is he actually, though? Yeah. Well, according to Wikipedia... With these American celebrities, they actually don't give a shit about football. Like, football's not big in America. They just get asked in a random interview, who's your favourite football team? And they just go, Chelsea. I think Everton probably, like, get on the phone. They're like, this will be good for our press. Like, hey, Naz, do you want to come watch a free game on us? And he'll be like, yeah, right. And then he's like, yeah, I love Everton. And he's, like, decked out and all the stuff they've just given him. It's like Drake. Look at Drake. Maybe he loves the football. Like, who knows? No, there's a picture of him in an Everton shirt. There's a picture of Drake in about every shirt ever made. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You're not really... <laughs> that doesn't do anything. Please don't Sorry, Sam. <laughs> this is tough. This is really tough. Naz, he was the greatest. He was the greatest rapper on the planet at the time. He provided me with some of the best listening experiences of my life tomorrow 100% I'm going to be listening Illmatic it was written I am Stillmatic in that order as they're my favorite in that order and then probably Godson actually no Godson before I am then Stillmatic then I am actually I'm gonna do it in that way so yeah and (sighs) he ruined Jay-Z to come back and get back on the throne but then RDJ I didn't know hardly any of that, like at all, none of it. 
And that's pretty insane. Like, to be the most upcoming, biggest actor in the world, face years and years of adversity with the drug addiction and the arrests and the prison and everything else, to come back to being Iron Man and kickstarting the MCU, which, actually, as I think about it, I don't actually like that much. So maybe, oh, actually, yeah, I don't know, because... He's done a disservice to the film industry by doing that. Yeah, if he's being credited as, like, the kickstarter of the MCU and it's something I'm not really a fan of, can I really? Oh, I don't know. Anyway. Ooh, it's a toughie. You know what? It's done. It's decided. I am going to crown... I'm going to crown Robert Downey Jr. as the greatest comeback of all time. I'd love to see Sebek's reaction, but his screen is frozen. Is it? It's frozen. Yeah. Oh, what? (laughs) There he is. There he is. There he is. You're back. Oh, he is? He's speechless. <laughs> He's not frozen. He's just speechless. Honestly, I'm... I, He's stunned. I can't believe it. I'm stunned into silence, which is rare, because I don't fucking stop talking. Jesus. No, I think it's I think it's insane. Like I think I think like what that man has achieved and what he's gone through personally to like you said, he just one day was just like, nah, he's had enough. So like go deep within yourself and change yourself for the better like that and come back and put yourself completely on top of the world again, so much so that everybody deliberately wants to forget about your past because they don't want you to be lauded over it. They want you to be they want you to have your time in the limelight because you deserve it. I think that's ridiculous. I think that's absolutely insane. Big props. I think the other thing as well, like I didn't I didn't touch on this that much. I guess maybe I did. It's like I think there's two things that make it a really good comeback. Firstly, his fall from grace is so a self-inflicted but be like self-involved in a good way like he doesn't really do anything super horrible to anyone else he did have a kid and i imagine for that kid him struggling with that level of addiction must have been really scary but he didn't like beat anyone up or hurt anyone or do anything really brutal he just totally lost his shit and the way he came back he wasn't inspired by anyone yeah mel gibson did pay for his film thing and and that was a big deal for his insurance bond but he made the decision to to pull himself out he oh yeah just yeah. took the rehab that they gave him and that was enough and i think that yeah, like so many people fail that how many times have we seen people fail that again and again and again but he is a shining And that's no example. shade on those people who fail that as well. You Not know? necessarily, because really no, it must difficult. be super difficult. Yeah, exactly. But he that's why his comeback's the greatest, because he had that character, that 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 person to do that. So, yeah, fair play. I mean, Na- N- Naz would destroy him in a rap battle, but, um, oh, you know, wow. well done. Yeah. <laughs> but I think especially because he, he was like, like, as you were saying, he was like pretty much an alcoholic before the age of 12. And like in your like, I mean, I know I like when you're a teenager and you like enter smoking, you're way more likely to be a smoker for life just because yeah, it's like that's your formative years. That's when your brain's like learning all these new connections and stuff. And you like you're jamming like a drug into that and getting that addiction in like early, like it can really fuck you up for life. I genuinely, I didn't know any of that stuff. And as much as I fucking love the whole comeback story with Naz like I'm a big Naz fan as well like I just I love the whole thing I would have to agree that Robert Downey Jr like that is just insane it is insane yeah I'm buzzing I'm absolutely buzzing it's not often we're fully unanimous to be fair actually usually someone's quite disappointed I think this this might be the first time I think it's because as well in terms of hip-hop greatness Naz is kind of the king so it's like he hasn't lost too bad you know yeah he might be the king. yeah in terms of like 
in terms of hip hop comebacks and in terms of diss tracks and in terms of like his return to the throne, it's fairly inarguable. And so it doesn't feel like too much of a loss, you know? It was like a two or three year period of making like not very good albums okay so, like he made yeah. a, he definitely made a couple really good songs like uh naz is like is is on i am i think that's a fantastic yeah that's song. a banger that's got that's dj premiere on the production i think hate me now is pretty good as well I, that's a really yeah. like good song for like pumping you up yeah exactly so yeah but um that's wicked it's a unanimous verdict on this ninth ninth episode of goats what the fuck special number nine next episode we've got a bit of an exciting one which is that me and me and michael will be in the same room while we're recording Vinny won't be no he fucking stinks so but we're trying our best one day we'll get us all in the same room but yeah so it'll be me and michael on one mic and Vinny on another which i'm sure will go fine and won't pose any sort of technical difficulties i will sort that out we'll sort that out and uh yeah do we have any Shout outs. We gave that shout out to our first patron. I thought we could shout him up, shout him out again. Um, big up, Chris, because yeah, mad respect, love it. Thank you so much. It, yeah, like it's already really helping. And if you want to be like Chris and be a fucking legend, get onto the Patreon and and check it out. Yeah, link in the description. Um, like we said, all we can really offer you right now is a shout out and a sticker. But hopefully, in the future, we'll be able to give you a lot more. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely in the future, yeah. I've got some ideas of some really cool stuff that we can do. Yeah, yeah, we've got a lot. We've got a lot in the tank. We can pay you back, yeah. I always wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Charlotte Down, who uh, messaged us on Instagram. They said that they thought that the Grab Bag episode was their favourite episode so far, and that they can't wait to uh, watch Freddy Got Fingered. If you like the Grab Bag episodes, then stay tuned to next episode. That's what I was just about to say. Stay tuned, because episode 10... We're going to do another one. It's back, baby. If it works once, do it again. That's what we say. Exactly. Like Socrates said or something. Yes, pretty much. I think so. Um, But on that note, I don't really have anything else to say. I guess that's the end of the show. We've actually wrapped this one up quickly for for our current standard. Yeah. This is going to be a good edit. This is going to be nice. So, yeah, that's the end of the episode. On that note, I haven't got anything else to say. You boys? I haven't got anything else to say. Yeah, got nothing else to say. Love you all. Thanks to our one patron. And I hope, you know, if you've got a second, if you've got any anything you can give to just help the show, like we said, it helped us record this one in video as well. So hopefully you can see bits and bobs of that on Instagram. Go check the Instagram. That's a good tell. Go check the Instagram where there should be, in theory, a video of us recording this. Not the full thing. What's the just a, called? Uh, the underscore goats underscore pod. Thank you, Vinny. Seamless. That's all I've got to say. I'll see you boys next week. Love you, bye. Bye Bye-bye now. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.